welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Folks, we are going to return to Acts chapter 3 and verses 11 through 26. Uh, we did read this entire passage last Sunday, so um, we'll continue today uh, beginning by just observing some of the fallout uh, from this first ap apostolic healing following Pentecost. Um, of course, Peter, Peter rightly credits Jesus as being the one uh, for, who actually healed this man who was over 40 years old. Uh, he had been unable to walk, lame, we are told, from his mother's womb uh, with a crippling deformity. And uh, he was also one, verse 16 uh, assures to us, whom everybody knew, wasn't some stranger who came side stage. Uh, no, he, he used to lie at the gate of the temple begging every day, and he has been healed. Last week, we discovered that this gift of faith that healed the man, he, it didn't come from within himself. Uh, also, it did not come from Peter or John. Uh, no, the gift of faith uh, in this unique situation also carried divine healing, and it came directly from the throne of Christ. Christ has ascended. He is now reigning from His throne upon high. And uh, this miracle, as we will continue to progress in Acts, we'll see many miracles. I think there's about 29 uh, identified miracles in Acts. We, we're setting a framework uh, to understand them as we progress. But um, this miracle serves to attest that Peter and John are Christ's true representatives, His true apostles on earth speaking on God's behalf. Consequently, uh, Israel is supplied with visible evidence. Visible evidence endorsing Peter's words, endorsing Peter's claim that times of refreshing have now come through faith in Jesus Christ. That was, that was our emphasis last week. They've come even though verse 21 assures that full restoration is not yet. That, that's not going to arrive, we're told, until Christ returns. But these days, these days in verse 19, uh, that, that, that continue to our day, folks, it is a season of refreshing. It is a time of refreshing. These are the times of refreshing and I have, today, I have titled today's message, Times of Refreshing Impart Divine Blessing. You might have seen that in your bulletin. Now, that ought to get me like a book deal or something. <laughs> That'll sell. Everybody wants the blessing, right? But what is the nature of the blessing in the passage? That we will answer today. Um, identifying the type of divine blessing that Chris, Christians are promised in this passage and through every, 
every day of the church age, uh, that's not going to get someone invited to, to speak on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Not the type of blessing that is promised in this passage. Common in our day, this is reflecting back to our previous uh, studies, common, so common to our day is incorrect teaching that God's blessing today, it's just healing for everyone. Through faith in Jesus, everyone can be healed if they have enough faith from any malady that you might suffer. Still, nothing that you or I observe today is reflective or even reminiscent of divine miracles done through Jesus and His apostles. Two Sundays back, two Sundays ago, I provided a scriptural explanation giving God's purposes for miracles during this apostolic age. Uh, if you weren't here, I, I, would, I would urge you, I would ask that you go back two weeks if you missed that Sunday and listen on our website uh, to help frame the purpose of miracles in, in this day that we are studying. Um, but before we discuss the parameters of our current refreshing and the associated blessings for the church age, uh, the following point needs to be reinforced. People today are being incorrectly taught that by invoking Jesus' name, they are promised healing from anything if they have enough faith. Um, fo folks, that is flat-out false doctrine. Um, to show how far this, it's a deviation, to, to show how far it has progressed or advanced, if you want to say, uh, just this past week, I overheard a man at the gym uh, falsely asserting, he's speaking very loudly on his, on his phone, by the way, through his earbud, you know, so everybody within 30 meters could, could hear what he's saying to his buddy. Um, this man was claiming falsely that through faith in the name of Jesus Christ, we can today be restored to a perfect reflection of Adam as he existed before the fall and before sin entered the world. Folks, this, this is not fringe doctrine anymore. This is becoming mainstream. Uh, there are so many things wrong with that, um, but here's just one. If that assertion were true, we could be restored to sinless innocence and never die. It's not true, but, but because we are not restored to a pre-fall condition through faith, and we aren't guaranteed healing through faith, uh, we aren't promised to be restored to a, a place of innocence through faith. Uh, no, we're merely promised in our passage that we have forgiveness of our sins through faith, and we have a restored relationship to God, our divine Creator, through His Son, Jesus. That is the promise that we read. Um, please note, if you read this passage thoroughly, uh, Peter never says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you too will be healed just like this lame guy. He never says that. 
He never asserts that. If Peter meant that, he could have said that. Instead, he says, repent that your sins may be wiped away. So we need to be cautious about what words we place into God's mouth. Um, our own physical transformation. I mean, who isn't looking forward to that? Uh, the, the bodily glorification that we read about in Scripture, that will not occur until Christ returns when those who, who have been in Christ are still alive, they'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye because they're still alive at the day that Christ returns. They'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and it's going to be on the same day that those who have died in Christ, with faith in Christ, will join them, being raised like Christ, we are told, imperishable, immortal, incorruptible. We're, we're looking forward to that day of restoration. Uh, it's only Christ's glorified return that is going to initiate the restoration of all things, folks. That, that's it. Until that day... I, I'm sorry, we're going to continue to age. Joints are going to increasingly ache. We will all eventually become ill and die. Death is the universal condition of all mankind, except for a relative few who will happen to be alive on the day that, the Christ, that Christ returns. Again, as I clarified last week, Though God may and can work invisibly behind the scenes uh, and offer healing grace in the shadows and recesses of modern medicine, uh, nonetheless, visible signs, wonders, supernatural miracles like walking on water and dead people raised to life or, or soldiers returning from war with, with limbs that are completely missing and being instantly restored, that, that does not ever occur today. It does not occur today. Am, am I saying that God can't? No, no. Actually, God can do whatever God wants to do. We could walk outside after church today, and we could see all of our cars levitating three feet off the ground. He could, we know he's going to, uh, when he returns, he's going to take us all, all up into, into the sky with him. So he has control over all gravity and all natural uh, dynamics of physics and science. He can. However, God has revealed to us in his word that he prefers that we walk through this age by faith and not by sight. Therefore... Scripture repeatedly prepares the Christian, again and again, prepares the Christian mind to anticipate that the, the next miracle, the sign, the wonder, the next miracle on the eschatological calendar is going to be Jesus appearing in the clouds when the dead in Christ rise first. That is what Scripture points our attention to that day. When Christ returns, um, unlike Jesus and his representative apostles, the dead are not raised today. 
people aren't raised from the dead and going back to the Social Security Department and demanding they want their benefits back. It never happens. You know, two weeks ago I was asked, it was sarcastically, but um, they said, yeah, but don't we raise the dead through administering CPR? You know, don't we bring dead victims back to life? The answer is no, no, no. Uh, there, folks, there is an infinite chasm between resuscitation and resurrection. Resuscitation restarts a heart in someone whose brain remains active. Paramedics do not raise the dead, folks. Uh, please, do not diminish the glory of what Jesus Christ did by suggesting it compares to what ambulance drivers do. They resuscitate a live person. Uh, that is categorically different from our Lord Jesus Christ and what He does. Um, yet, you know, if my wife or yours were terminally ill, uh, I, I would be the first to join in prayer that God might, in His power, in His mercy, uh, show grace, grant healing, even if He so wills. But the commonality uh, of, of medical miracles today, it is highly exaggerated by unsubstantiated claims by charismatics on TV. Highly exaggerated. Uh, we have three retired medical doctors here. I can point them out to you if you would like. Um, you can inquire with them if you want uh, professional advice or opinions about what I'm going to say. Um, but, but they did not find that medical schools were needed to prepare them for how to handle and how to explain all, all the supernatural miracles and healings that, the, that were about to cross their path as they went into the profession. No physicians are taught to skillfully treat natural human biology. And this is because the times of restoration are not yet. They're not yet. And a pastor's responsibility for his flock. Um, it's not to delude his flock into expecting, you know, just a perpetual flood of unending supernatural healings. It is to prepare us together, prepare and strengthen our souls together for the inevitability that death will come. More likely than not, it will come for us before Christ returns. At least that's how it's been for the last 2,000 years or so. I pray that Christ would come today, and He may. Do not diminish or discount the fact that Christ might return today. Uh, but it's compassionate to know that we are going to die but in Christ, you don't have to have any fear of that day. Scriptural truth, folks, is compassion in action. It is compassion in action. So, the divine blessings that our passage reveals to us today, uh, they're not signs, wonders, supernatural and guaranteed healings. The times of refreshing announced by Peter 
They're completely different in nature, uh, promised on the basis of faith in Christ's name. I'll say as well, they are, they are more valuable than silver or gold or any jewels. And we're going to find that through Jesus, God's offer of divine blessing is in full force today, uh, even to us who are alive today. To begin with, number one, God overlooks our ignorance. That is a blessing starting off. How Israel had treated the Christ, it was done in ignorance. Yet Peter's describing them as ignorant, you'll find that in verse 17, does not declare them as innocent. They're not innocent of their sins, including the murder of Jesus. Uh, no, rather, the term ignorance suggests that they, they displayed a, a lack of spiritual understanding before faith in Jesus came. Of course, as we learned last week, you know, they, were super, they were spiritually dead before faith in Christ came. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. God has to make alive. Um, it's only in this sense that they were ignorant. They didn't have a full understanding. Similar could be said about us. Before placing our faith in Christ, before receiving the gift of faith, uh, we, we did some pretty ignorant things. These are, they're things that we would not repeat today as a Christian. Does that suggest we were innocent before coming to Christ in faith? <laughs> Absolutely not. The law of God that is imprinted on every person's heart, every man, woman, and child on their conscience causes him or her to know that you know, sin is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Fornication is sin. Uh, using the holy name of Jesus as an expletive is evil. This morning in adult Bible class, uh, we were taught about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and and what that means, boy, God, uh, there are certain things God just can't tolerate. But as Mike so, so uh, as encouraging to me, Mike, when he said, uh, there is no sin you have done that you have committed that the blood of Christ will not cover. Folks, that is a promise of God. If you're being called today to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you haven't committed the unpardonable sin of, of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. God is calling out today. He'll cover it all. Talked about that at length last week. Um, were we innocent? No. No, we were not innocent. Uh, we, we all knew that these types of things were evil, even as an unbeliever. We knew uh, what I was ignorant of and what I did not understand was that God's Son, it's an ultimate display of divine love, God's Son 
bore my sins on the cross, took the punishment on my behalf, so I wouldn't have to die and be separated from God uh, forever. That, that, that's what I couldn't put the pieces together uh, on. Uh, before faith came as a free gift from God, I, I just couldn't make that connection. My sin, Jesus as my substitute in punishment and death. But folks, after faith came, I'm no longer ignorant. You are no longer ignorant. And though Israel was previously ignorant, they, they were still culpable for their sins. Uh, they, they rationally understood that, that Jesus was innocent of all charges. They, they understood that. They knew that He was a morally pure and a righteous man in good standing with God. They realized that calling for Pilate to release uh, Barabbas, a murderer, to release him instead of Jesus, they knew that was unjust. An unbeliever can, can get a giggle out of that. That's how sick and depraved the human heart is. They knew it was wrong. They were not innocent. They were spiritually dead, ill-informed. They acted out of ignorance. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13 confesses, he says, quote, I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor of the church. He said, I was a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted out of unbelief. Ignorantly, he says. Ah, ignorance, it's a, it's a character trait of the unbeliever. Uh, describing our previous state of mind, but it never, never indicates that we lived in, in a period of innocence. That, that has not occurred since before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. That state of innocence has not occurred since then, as I said earlier. Um, no, uh, ever since that moment, no man or woman born on earth is innocent. We are corrupt in nature. We are guilty for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is important, folks. Peter tells Israel, your time of ignorance has passed. From this day forward, you are exceedingly culpable if you reject Christ because Pastor John has now told you. Oh, wait, that's not exactly what it says. It is rather Peter who informs them and informs his audience, including us. Uh, he informs them there's none righteous, not even one. Uh, they even murdered God's Christ. He's, he's given them, they've given, he's given it to them straight. Um, thankfully, Verse 19 assures there is now a window open of God's grace. There is a season of forgiveness, a season now of God's grace. Here's what it means. God isn't going to demand your life today. There, there's at least today, at least this moment, 
though we don't know what later this afternoon holds. God has not yet demanded your life. Instead, He makes this this gracious offer that we looked at last week, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come. Folks, refreshing remains God's promise to us. We're offered refreshing. Until Christ returns, which could be today, we live in a season of forgiveness and grace. Um, For you who have read Acts before, probably most if not all of you, uh, do you remember how many people respond uh, to Peter's second sermon right here by exercising faith in Jesus Christ, in His name? How, how many uh, of, of whom Peter is preaching to on this day uh, respond? Chapter 4 is going to tell us that, that uh, it's going to reveal that about 5,000 men believe. Probably doesn't include women and children there. It's probably well beyond those 5,000 uh, folks, that is a significant response. What if God would just give us one or two here today? By the power of His Spirit. Um, is... Are these 5,000, may, maybe as many as 10,000, who knows for sure, it's about 5,000 men How many of these 5,000 have experienced the restoration of all things, as described in verse 21? No, none. None. That that day has not yet come. But of those 5,000, how many of who believe experienced times of refreshing from the Lord? It's all. It's all. Is the promise of refreshing only for a portion of people who believe? Only, only for a select few? Maybe this segment, maybe this side, but not this side. No. No. The initial promise is that your sins will be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come. Sins wiped away, that that is at the moment of salvation. Just last week or the last two weeks, we've been studying on our Wednesday night about justification, the point when when you trust in Christ. But the sanctification follows, carries on after you have given your life to Christ. Um... We see that sins are wiped away at the moment of salvation, but we are going to find today that the associated blessing goes far beyond that day that you trusted in Jesus Christ, uh, far beyond a momentary justification for our sins. There is a blessing of refreshing that is going to be announced in verse 26. And a professor from Gordon-Conwell Seminary, who I've quoted him to you in the past, Eckerd Schnabel is his name. He makes this comment, quote, The repentance of Israelites 
who accept the forgiveness of sins through Jesus results in times of refreshing. That's verse 20, he says. And divine blessing. Verse 26, he says. The arrival of the promised restoration of all things, he continues, that, that will come in the future when Jesus returns. That's verse 21. That, that, that's good theology. That's good theology. These are the times, to, right now, these are the times that impart God's blessing. They're the times of refreshing. So what's the blessing? I could have just jumped to that, right? We, we all want the blessing. What is the blessing? Oh, it's a good one. What is the nature of this divine blessing during these times of refreshing? Surely everybody isn't healed. I mean, take a look around. Universal, universal healing. Boy, that's one of the worst distortions of the health and wealth gospel, that, that everybody will be universally healed if they just have enough faith. No, uh, that error of the prosperity theology uh, movement it demands, this is what's really sad about it. If you're, if you're struggling with trying to understand this, this is what's really sad about it here. It demands that we conclude that those who are poor and sick, yeah, somehow they're weak in faith. And, and that the, those who are rich and, and healthy and, and successful and attractive, oh, those are God's blessed people. That's what you have to conclude in that theology. That, that, that is a sart, sick to departure from biblical reality. No, our Lord, Lord's brother James says, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Heirs of the kingdom, which He promised to those who love Him? But you've dishonored the poor man, uh, writes James. Uh, Christ's beloved bride his church, his beloved bride that he's coming back for today across the world, folks, it's characterized by poor people. And according to James, how had the early church dishonored the poor, those poor who are rich in faith? By showing partiality. They favored the rich and disregarded the poor man who came in in dirty clothes. And a couple chapters later, James is going to say, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. God loves the poor people. He loves the rich people too. Praise the Lord. On the world scale, we're all rich. God loves the poor people. The church is to love the poor people. And though we, we remain thankful, continually thankful to God who sustains our health and gives to each Christian a measure of wealth, health and wealth are not guaranteed blessings in these times of refreshing. Uh, just, just ask Christians in, in North Korea or Somalia or in the Middle East, just ask them how the health and wealth gospel is playing out in their lives. No, they, they have a giant faith. They have a giant faith. And what blessings come through that faith? First is divine forgiveness, a wiping away of your sins. What comes after that? 
not well. The blessing is sanctification. Sanctification, how does that pan out? How does that pan out? Look with me at verse 25. There Peter declares to Israel, It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not just American families. We're a pretty small element of the church worldwide. Pretty, pretty tiny little piece of the pie. All will be blessed with the promise of Abraham. And we know, we know that the book of Romans goes on to explain that we follow Abraham's exercise of faith. That's, that's all believers following the same faith as Abraham. Uh, so all believing families in the earth will be blessed. How then are we blessed? Well, look at verse 26. For you first, meaning to the Jew first, for you first, God raised up His servant Jesus and sent Him to bless you. Sent Him to bless you. What's the blessing? Bless us how? By by making every... And I'm just going to emphasize this again. I'm just so tired of hearing about it. By making every sincere Christian sincerely rich? No. Obviously no. Or or God assuring every Christian who has a sincere faith that you're never ever going to have to uh, endure chemotherapy treatments? No. Surely no. How then is every genuine believer in Christ blessed? You can read it for yourself at the end, end of verse 26. Blessed by turning every...